Hello, everyone. I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Nick Iricchio. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this, because you want to hear our uncensored, unfiltered thoughts and opinions on the world of movies and entertainment. So kick back, relax, and the Movie Knights Roundtable begins now. So we're going to start out with our movie news section of the show where we dive into the trades and find out what's going on in the world of Hollywood. Nicholas, what do you got for us first? Yeah, so our first story comes to us from Deadline. Paramount Plus, from the greatest studio working currently. Working currently. Uh, Paramount Plus has given an eight-episode straight-to-series order to an adaptation of Hasbro's wildly popular Dungeons & Dragons fantasy role-playing game franchise. Ooh. Red Notice filmmaker Rawson Marshall Thurber wrote the pilot script and is set to direct the first episode of the series, which will be a co-production between E1 and Paramount Pictures. So, this is... Interesting news, mm-hmm. because there's a Dungeons & Dragons movie coming out very, very soon. And a lot of controversy in the D&D world. Exactly. Yes. And also, the article does not say whether it officially ties into the movie or not. So the timing of this is very strange. If if it doesn't tie into the film, the timing of this is very strange. Does Is Paramount distributing the movie? Yes. Oh. Well, this is intriguing. Let me make sure of that, but I'm 99% <laughs> sure. But yeah, if, if they don't tie in together mm-hmm. it's very strange because why 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 do this so close you know like to me they have to tie together because they anticipate the movie being successful mm-hmm. so they want to get a spinoff show going but that that would have leaked in the story like that would have been yeah they're trying to keep it isolated yeah which is interesting to me mm-hmm. i don't know you're the more of the D player here do you have thoughts on maybe why that is i, I think the timing is interesting just given like how much do you know about the the controversy that just occurred with within the actual D and D world? I've only heard tracing, so go ahead and okay. give it to me. Yeah, here I pulled up an article just so I could uh, kind of quickly recap it. Okay, so basically, it is distributed by Paramount. Ooh, just want to make sure. D and D has what's called an open gaming license. Mm-hmm. Now that is a public copyright license that outlines how fans and third party publishers are permitted to make and monetize their own D and D content. Okay. So the current version of this license allows third-party publishers relative freedom to create and or sell content containing elements from the D&D tabletop role-playing system, such as its spells, monsters, classes, etc. So an update to this draft leaked, which contained plans to introduce rules that would make the previous version of the license defunct and stated that any paid use of Wizards-owned content must be registered with Wizards of the Coast and was subject to review by the company and required anyone making over $750,000 or more for content using the license to pay a 25% royalty to Wizards of the Coast. Wow. Now, the timing of that leak was interesting given the movie. Yeah. Because obviously they're anticipating the movie to be successful and they're like, holy shit, are we about to get a whole new influx of people that want to play D&D? Mm-hmm. This happened with Stranger Things yeah. because I actually, I am a D&D player. I'm currently doing a campaign where two of the people watched Stranger Things and said, we want to get into D&D. Yeah. So now a movie that's appealing to general audiences is coming out, and they're like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to make money. Yeah, for real. Now this leaked, and the D&D world went crazy. Yeah, that that sounds fucking miserable. And they have issued a statement officially saying, like, guys, we rolled the nat one. 
we fucked up. We're going to try to make this right. <laughs> My <is> Our bad. <laughs> yeah, basically what happened. But the timing with that, the timing of a show, the movie, it's all... Whoever leaked that is a hero, by the way. Yeah. My <laughs> my my Charlie Day-like <laughs> red pin cushions and string is yeah. all connecting here. Mm-hmm. That being said, if the movie's good, I'm fully on board for a show. Oh, yeah. Now, it would be really embarrassing if the movie failed at this point. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Movies are back this year because this is a little spoiler for later in the show. The lowest grossing movie at the box office this Mm -hmm. time was $10 million, which hasn't happened in some time, I think. This is accurate. Yeah. We're we're used to, like, the lowest movie being at, like, 30, 20. Mm -hmm. And normally it's been, like, 2 to 5. But we hit 10 this time, which is pretty crazy. I just hope that because it's the team that made Game Night. Yes. Is making the D&D movie. Yes. I did not see anything saying their involvement in the show. Yeah. Which is what concerns me. Yeah, because I love them. I think they're great. Yeah. I was actually really looking forward to whatever Flash movie they were going to make. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they were they- also writers on Homecom- Spider-Man Homecoming, they I believe, were. too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope the movie's good. I hope that it's good enough and that they tie into the series because I think that's also just going to confuse people if they're not connected. And they're like, well, why are we getting all this content? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, what we do know is Paramount's definitely double dipping. <laughs> they want that D&D money big oh, yeah. time. Yeah. And I don't blame them. It's one of the biggest role-playing tabletop games in existence yeah and while halo is a video game halo the show is one of their most popular most watched series so they're probably like all the games yeah everything what do we um, can we get licensing with yeah yeah that i mean it makes a lot of sense here but what do you guys think do you think that the controversy hurts this news helps this news and do you think that the movie and the show will end up being tied together or not let us know as we move on to our next story. Nicholas, what you got for us next? Our next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Francis Ford Coppola's latest movie, the sci-fi-tinged Megalopolis, has descended into chaos. Oh? According to multiple sources, the movie, currently halfway through shooting in Atlanta, has in the last week lost key creative talent, including its production designer and supervising art director, and that's on top of losing the entire visual effects team the first part of December. Now, can you give a quick overview as to what Megalopolis is? Because besides it being a Francis Ford Coppola movie, there's a lot more interesting behind-the-scenes factors about this. Yeah, so general behind-the-scenes stuff about Megalopolis. Mm -hmm. So basically, Francis Ford Coppola has wanted to make this movie for a long time. He hasn't really directed in many, many years, though. But since, like, the 80s, he's wanted to make this movie. It's basically the general plot is described as an architect wants to rebuild New York as a utopia following a horrible disaster. And like I said, he's been wanting to make this movie since the 80s. But by the time it was ready to originally move into production, 9-11 happened. Can't do a story about wanting to rebuild New York just yet Mm -hmm. at that time and then thing after thing happened and he was never able to get the movie going and then by the time he was ready to make it which is now and hey a new francis ford coppola movie get excited no one wanted to finance it no no one Mm -hmm. and you know that that's a trend that we're seeing with kind of the um 70s artor filmmakers not being able to get things released theatrically or released at all like with martin scorsese having to go to netflix and apple to get his things funded because they're asking for very very high budgets for things that don't really appeal to blockbuster kind of audiences because let's face it wolf of wall street could make hundreds of millions of dollars in 2013 it wouldn't make it now Mm -hmm. 
I think Babylon was kind of a testament to that and how poorly that movie performed, considering if that movie came out 10 years ago, it would have done gangbusters. The thing is, these are still good movies. Yes, they're great movies, but with the pandemic, the audience is being very stingy with what they want to go see in theaters, especially because studios made the mistake of having things go directly to streaming enough times where the audience is like, well, I'll just do that from now on. Pixar! Yeah, yes. But anyway, uh, something else that's kind of going on with this film is since nobody wanted to finance the movie... Francis Ford Coppola is paying for the film himself $120 million mm-hmm. of a budget by himself, which means he's the producer, he's the financer, whatever he says goes. And that's the case because at one point at any time during production, you can just fucking fire your whole visual effects team if you wanted to. So um, this news is just kind of oddly funny because of just, of course this is happening, because he's been trying to get this movie made forever, and of course yeah. there's hiccups. Uh, a hiccup before filming started is Oscar Isaac was attached for a long time to be the lead star, and he dropped out just a few months before it, filming started, and they had to replace him on the movie as well. Well, I mean, the cast he has lined up, though. I mean, I'll mm-hmm. just randle off a, a few quick names. I mean, you have Aubrey Plaza, you have Giancarlo Esposito, Adam Driver, Nathalie Anna- Emanuel, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, John Voight, Dustin Hoffman, Forrest Whitaker, Jason Schwartzman, Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're either in Francis Ford Coppola's Megalopolis, <laughs> Greta Gerwig's Barbie, or Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And um, the article also goes on to say that there are sources saying, like, this is the most visual effects heavy film he's ever made. And a lot of them are kind of cringing at his decision because they just think it has to do with him not knowing how to make a movie like that but that's kind of fighting words when you're talking about one of the best filmmakers of all time so it's it's hard it's a hard thing to go through i'm just so fucking curious about this movie now because this isn't the first time coppola's had to deal with a stressful movie situation apocalypse now is infamously one of the most fucking (laughs) cursed damage sets of all time you start to wonder if it's you (laughs) right (laughs) after a while you do but uh, but this is just crazy that the story of this movie continues to just go on. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm curious as to if the movie's going to even finish now. Because it looks like, who knows, considering he's financing it with his own money. All I know is, if the movie gets finished and it comes out opening night, bitch, I'm there. This is either going to be the greatest movie of all time, second greatest movie of all time. Con Air. Con Air, yep. Or the worst movie of all time. And I'm fine either way. Oh, I'm, it's how I felt about Avatar. Like all it did was just <laughs> all it did was just validate James Cameron. Yeah, which kind of angered me, oh, but yeah. also like, and we're gonna get into that later too. It'd be good, uh-huh. but like, <laughs> if all this happens, you see all this behind the scenes trouble and it flops, you're gonna be like, yeah. But if it's a hit, oh, do you think there's a slight chance he's the producering us? Where you can make more money off a flop than a... Dude, I didn't even consider that. You might be fucking onto something here. Oh my god, this has been his plan since the 80s. He's wanted it to fail for so long. What a good pull, dude. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Oh my god, yes. So what do you guys think of the mess that is Francis Ford Coppola's Megalopolis? Do you think the movie's even going to happen now? Let us know in the comments as we move on to the B-roll. What is the B-roll? Well, it's an extension of our movie news section of the show, except we're only going to spend a couple of minutes on some headlines we thought were interesting because we didn't have time to fully dive into these stories, but still wanted to let you know what was going on. Nicholas, what's first up on the B-roll? First up in the B-roll is some casting news. 
Uh, the Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes movie has officially rounded out its cast with uh, William H. Macy Ooh. coming on board. William H. Macy was a star for many seasons of the TV show Shameless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my personal favorite role of his is in Wild Hogs. Oh, my God. Wild that is Hogs. a deep pull. I have not rewatched <laughs> that movie in years. It probably does not play even remotely safely now. Here's the thing. It doesn't, but it doesn't beat that one of the funniest movie jokes of all time is when Ray Liotta threatens to break his legs, and he says, I'm a computer analyst or whatever. I don't need my legs. And he goes, fine, I'll break his hands. And then William H. Macy just goes, God damn it, get hey, the money. Get the money. You gotta pay. <laughs> See, my favorite moment's when he's trying to flirt with Marissa Tomei, uh-huh. and he walks up, and like he goes to remove his glasses, but they have the little magnetic button there, so you're expecting <laughs> him to like do like one of these, and yeah. the glasses just like do this. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, so that's just, you know, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes obviously yeah. is a sequel to the Matt Reeves trilogy of mm-hmm. the Planet of the Apes movies. This one taking place long, long time after that. Yes. Completely isolated. But look, he, he's a great actor. I'm excited. He's great in Fargo. He's great in Boogie Nights. He's he's an all-time great. He was in Fargo, wasn't he? I haven't seen Boogie Nights. Bruh, it's good. I think um, Ashley just watched it recently. She said it's phenomenal, it's, so I'm very excited to watch it. It's Paul Thomas Anderson. Great movie. Great love, movie. Love some PTA. We love some PTA love here. Love some PTA. Anyway, what's next for us on the B-roll? Uh, next up on the B-roll is that Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried, mm-hmm. Mamma Mia, and Evan Rachel Wood uh, are workshopping a Thelma and Louise musical adaptation. Now, what does that mean by workshopping? Does that mean they're just bringing it around selling it or... Um, I don't really know what that means, but I can tell you this. Fuck yes. A Thelma and Louise musical with these two? I- I'm in. The The article does not have an answer on that. No. They said they were deep into production or deep into uh, the process of creating a new musical. Yeah. And we know it's going to be a, a film. It's not going to be a stage production. Yes, it would, be, it would be a musical version of Thelma and Louise with two talented actresses. Um, Hell yeah. Absolutely. That... that Yes, if you haven't seen the original Thelma and Louise, I'm assuming you haven't. I have not. Knew it. Um, Ridley Shocker. Sc- Ridley Scott, excellent film. Please do so. Oh, Ridley so. Scott did it? Yes. I did not know this. Great film. And um, it's not one you would ever think like, oh, let's do a musical out of this. So that's why I really want to watch it. Do you think that the Mamma Mia, where they just pick an artist and it's just no. that person's songs? They won't do that. There's no way. Not with that story. And you know why they won't? Why? Because everyone in Hollywood is a coward. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring up cowards at some point. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, what is the uh, final topic on the B-roll, though? Uh, it is some very exciting news, actually. Uh-huh. A while back, we reported that John Williams was like, yeah, I think Fablemans is my last. Mm-hmm. I think I'm kind of done. And everyone was like, oh. And he's on his fifth, like, john williams at the hollywood bowl or whatever it is concert yeah. and you're uh-huh. like okay well i guess this is the last one yeah it's like uh elton john's nine-year goodbye yellow Brick road tour and you're like okay well yeah you're just touring yeah anyway uh he has officially walked back his retirement plans and the quote is very funny please give it to me the poser said of the filmmaker steven spielberg steven is a lot of things he's a director a producer a studio head a writer a philanthropist and an educator one thing he is not is a man that you say no to. That is awesome. So basically, John Williams says, if Steven comes to me and says, do this score, I'm going to go, all right. The the thing I thought of was the scene from uh, Breaking Bad where he goes to Saul and is like, 
we're done when, when I, I say, say we're <laughs> done. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, but that's pretty much exactly what happened. And hey, whatever gets us more John Williams scores, right? Because let's, this sucks to talk about. He's in his 90s. Mm-hmm. We've been on borrowed time for some time. We, I want to get as many scores out of this guy as I can. And um, he's the GOAT, hands down. And I want to get, I want to get some more. So I'm glad, I'm glad he's going to do more Spielberg movies. Well, it's also interesting because that means we're getting more Spielberg movies as well. Yes, yes, which was also kind of up in the air. Well, I remember that was the thing. Like people were like, oh, he might duck out after Fablemans. And he was like, no. <laughs> I wonder what he's got next. It's exciting <laughs> to see. I, it is very exciting to see. Do you see. remember the time when everyone was like, mm, Spielberg's doing Fantastic Four? Remember that yeah. time on the internet? Yeah, that yeah. was interesting. That was interesting. It didn't happen. No. I think we even have a thumbnail with him about directing a Superman movie. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good times, Internet Good speculation. Good times on the Internet. We love yeah, it. But that will do it for the movie news section of our show. And now we're going to move on to the box office. The box office. Section of our show where we break down the last weekend and the box office earnings. And then we also dive into them a little bit more to give some insight into how they are performing. Coming in first last weekend, dropping only 32% from week four to week five was Avatar The Way of Water, making $31 million. Coming in number two was Megan, only dropping 41%, making $17.9 million in its second weekend. Coming in third, dropping 1% from week three to week four, Puss in Boots The Last Wish, making $13.4 million. Yes, 1%. Coming in third, fourth, uh, fourth, excuse me, A Man Called Otto, uh, going up in percentage because it also went into a lot more theaters, making $12.6 million, and coming in fifth in its opening weekend, making $10 million plain, starring Gerard Butler and Mike Coulter. How did that kind of pair up to the predictions that we had? Um, Let me check. Uh, so you had uh, Avatar, Megan, plain, Puss in Boots, Man Called Auto. Mm. I had Avatar, Megan, plain, Puss in Boots, Auto. <laughs> Right, we did the same one. Um, so we got the five right, but uh, plain, not the right order. Plain underperformed based off our predictions. Based off our predictions, yes. And uh, I actually want to dive in a little bit more into the yeah. numbers here on this top five. Uh, for Avatar: The Way of Water, for example, uh, its worldwide total is at one point eight nine billion. It's hitting it, baby. It's Pro- hitting it. Probably even by next week. I still haven't seen it yet. Dude, you think I'll get a prize if I'm the two millionth dollar? I'd give you one. Two billion. James dollar. Cameron better call you personally. Also, what took you so fucking he's long? He's gonna be the. He's gonna say this better be your third time seeing yeah. it. He's gonna be the only director with three two billion dollar movies. Is there anyone with two two billion dollar movies? Russos, because they did Infinity War and Endgame. Right. Mm-hmm. There huh. might be another one. I don't think there is though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Avatar is gonna be. On its way to two billion. Diving into Megan a little bit, its worldwide box office is at ninety million. I said last week this could be a movie that hits a hundred. It's going to go way past that. Mm-hmm. Um, good for Megan on a twelve million budget. That is, Meg Foreign is definitely happening. Meg Foreign is happening. What are they going to do when they get to the third? <laughs> They're fucked big time. <laughs> They're going to go back and fire whatever title person. Just made up make now. the three backwards. <laughs> That's what I want to see. They'll probably go into colons at that point. Yeah. True. Uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, worldwide box office total, $247 million. Good for that little movie. Damn. I still need to watch it. I've heard it's great, although I'll probably catch it when it comes on to Peacock. Um, 
A Man Called Otto's worldwide total is at $33 million. Um, I don't believe the budget on that film was too high. It probably mostly went to Tim Honks, but, you know, <laughs> I can't casually do it. It's so hard to not laugh. <laughs> Tim Honks. Tim Honks. But, uh, yeah, doing decently well for that movie. And Plane. I need to look up the budget of Plane. Not enough. So Plane had a, a production budget of $50 million, and so far it's made 10 Here's the thing. It's not looking great, but... Not much comes out next weekend. The only thing coming out next weekend is the film Missing, which is kind of I don't I don't know if it's in the same universe as the movie Searching, but it's might it might be. It's but it's shot and made in the same way as that film that came out a few years ago, mm-hmm. and um, based off of I think it was Unfriended from m- many years ago that first kind of tried to do the Skype Zoom kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that opens up, and um, the film Alice Darling, which opened limited in December, goes wide. So I think th- I think those are the only two big competition movies coming out. So we might have a repeat top five. Alice Darling is the Anna Kendrick drama, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking to that, let's go ahead and do predictions for next week's box office, Nicholas. Yeah. Let me get my notes. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, uh, Dalton. Coming in first is going to be Avatar. Okay. Coming in second is going to be Megan. Okay. Coming in third is going to be... Puss and Boots, bruh. Coming in fourth is going to be... I'm going to be optimistic. It's not going to happen. I'm being optimistic. Plain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and fifth is going to be missing. Mm. Okay. I'm going to go Avatar. Mm-hmm. Megan. Puss and Boots. I'm going to go missing. And then I'm going to go plain. Ooh, okay, but we both think Man Called Auto might drop off there. We both think Man Called Auto okay. will drop off interesting, there. interesting. Yeah, so that is the box office breakdown for this episode. We're going to dive into more box office stuff and future episodes to come. Before we move on to our movie review, I just wanted to take care of some quick housekeeping. While we love to have you join and watch us on YouTube, we get that life gets busy. You're constantly running around, or maybe you just don't want to see our faces, especially Dalton's. So for your listening pleasure, the Movie Nights Roundtable is available in audio-only form on Spotify, Google, Apple, and all other major podcasting platforms. Uh, Simply open up your podcasting app of choice, type in the Movie Nights Roundtable into the search, and look for that big yellow logo. But for now, we are going to move on to the movie review section of our show. And that is very exciting. So again, two weeks in a row, I'm the fucking worst. (laughs) I didn't see a movie this week. However, the great Nicholas Arricchio III across from me, did see a movie this week, and you got to see an advanced movie. Why don't you give us that story? I did. Uh, so for those that watched the show last week, I mentioned that I was going to a Regal Monday movie mystery, and that I was fully expecting it to be a man called Otto, but I was going anyway on the hopes it was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. It wasn't. <laughs> um, but what I did end up seeing was Missing, which we just talked about, yes. which was a movie I did not know existed. <laughs> So let's get into it, shall we? So I'll start off kind of like how I did with the Megan review, where I'll read this letterbox review that I really liked that may or may not be mine, Lincoln Bio. God damn it. <laughs> did you... Okay, casually saying Lincoln Bio was funny. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. Um, oftentimes held back by the restraints of its narrative style, Missing still offers viewers an intense and suspenseful ride with plenty of exciting twists and turns. Storm Reed gives another breakout performance, which allows the audience to easily become emotionally invested in her character, which could have been a large hurdle given the movie's screen-only visual style. 
Overall, a solid watch that I hope gets a better marketing push in the coming weeks before its release. I saw this movie early at a Regal Monday Movie Mystery event and had not heard of it prior to sitting in that theater and it's starting. Well, where did you went to college, didn't Ooh, you? For communications. Oh, oh, buddy. Um, so I'll come right out the gate. I did not see Searching. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's set in that universe. I believe it's directed by the editor of that movie. Okay. Um, I very much was not a fan of any COVID Skype episode that every TV show did. And that was asking me to handle 22 minutes of it. Mm -hmm. And this one asked me for an hour and a half. Gotcha. And that was kind of my biggest issue was I don't particularly care for that style. I think there's too much going on. It's asking, it's way too much visual, you know, flair. I'm going to the movies to go into another world, not to go into a computer screen which I think is the biggest issue. Like it felt more to me like the Apple computer was the star of the movie yeah, and not yeah. Storm Reed. That being said, Storm Reed's performance, who uh, I heard she's phenomenal on Euphoria. I think she was in that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I thought she was fantastic in the Suicide Squad as Idris Elba's Bloodsport's daughter. Yes. Because she absolutely held her own, if not was better than Idris Elba in their scenes together. Mm-hmm. And she, I think, anchors the movie at its emotional core. And to have that feeling and to carry that with not only the screen barrier that exists with you watching a movie, but then to add all the other layers to it. And I think that the movie was uh, paced wonderfully. I think it had a lot of exciting twists, turns, and reveals that did keep me engaged and that I did not know what was going to happen next. All right. Where the movie loses you, again, is asking for all the kind of acceptance of this style of the format of the format Mm -hmm. and certain elements of it where you're like i kind of guessed a plot point that wasn't like it wasn't make or break but it was like really she she didn't piece that together Mm -hmm. like i thought it was a very obvious thing and i just i heard the information once yeah i gotcha and i was like well if that happened but that's like the third act like moment that unlocks a bunch of stuff because it is a mystery movie Mm -hmm. and i was like well this could have saved us this movie has to happen yeah um i think where the movie kind of takes a turn is i think their last twist was their weakest okay but that goes into the third act and i think any of the other options that they set up worked wonderfully and i think the story that they were trying to tell and the not metaphors, but just like the representations being shown of certain types of situations, I think it was very important to see on screen mm-hmm. and to see it in this way. But I think that it lacked the emotional punch because when you're watching these very dramatic, intense, heavy moments, you're looking at grainy, zoomed in security camera footage yeah. or something, which I because think... Because it has to commit to the format that yeah, it's presenting. Yeah, and I applaud their commitment to it. And there's a transition in it that is hysterical because I won't get into like mm-hmm. deep spoilers obviously because the movie comes out Thursday or mm-hmm. today if you're watching it yeah. Um, but I went this guy's coming in hot and then there's a reveal and I'm like that's good that actually angered me how good that was 
Um, but overall, I definitely was not disappointed by the mystery movie. I think mm-hmm. I ended up giving it three stars. I would definitely recommend it if you also like that style. Mm-hmm. I know it does ask a lot of you to kind of buy into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the performances were very well handled and the way the story unfolds. Again, I think it's was very well paced for a movie like that. Like the way they timed the reveals and twists and everything. And again, just still feeling that emotional connection to the character, even having all those barriers through it. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I just want to point out uh, now this could be not true. Cause I mm-hmm. also have not seen searching, but according to the IMDb trivia, this is a sequel to searching. And apparently the movie, the news footage at the opening of the movie is from searching. Ah, that's what happens when neither of us see searching oops a daisies. I it happens. We'll say this as You don't need to see searching. You definitely do not need yeah. to see it because what he just said is actually it, if that's the case. Yeah. That ties no relevance. It's like no. she's watching mm-hmm. a YouTube video recapping Yeah. Of whatever the reveal in that movie was. Yeah. I don't even remember they don't I don't even think they reveal what it was in in, in yeah. the clip, so Yeah. So, hey, that means it stands on its own, which is a good thing. More of a spiritual sequel, if anything, at yeah. that point, then it seems. Yeah. Just kind of in the same world, I guess. Yeah, because sequel, you think, like, oh, characters are returning yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it makes sense, I mean, given the style, that they're going to stick to it. Yeah. I know John chose in that one, and mm-hmm. I really like him. Yeah, he's great. Host was the other one I was thinking of. I've not the seen The movie Host. like this. It was like a Shutter original, but I remember okay. it got, like, really good reviews, and I never ended up watching it. But I did want to see that. See, I like a found footage movie. I don't mm-hmm. mind that when it's, like, the grainy stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think it's staring at computer screens all day. Like, mm-hmm. I go to the movies, and yeah, I'm staring at a screen. Yeah. But I don't want to go stare at a computer screen again. And I will say, the being someone who hasn't watched it, obviously, Yeah. Um, just knowing it's going to be in that format and seeing that it's an hour 51, to me, you got to cap that at 80 to 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And again, I, do that. I, th- I, I, was, I was intrigued by it. Like, I didn't feel... You kind of go through phases of being worn out and then go to it i appreciate the dedication they do it but it also it's probably gonna be bad and controversial it's a gimmick yeah and gimmicks get old pretty quick and you're asking mm-hmm. for two hours yeah. of it but hey from a production standpoint i bet it was cheap to make and they're gonna make some money oh absolutely no and again given all that i still very much like the movie i do yeah. recommend it yeah. i'm just saying like go in with that with be ready to stare at that screen, have just information just being thrown at you constantly. Yeah. But the performances were great. It was when it started and I saw it was in that style. I was like, <sighs> but it did win me over. But then toward the end, you're like, I really wish that because there's a moment where like the final reveal happens and you're like, they could have gotten away with going cinematic at this point. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see. But overall, I recommend. I would say yeah. so. Yeah. I, I need to catch up on a bunch of fucking movies. So I I I can't even promise I'll see a movie next week because I got some shit going on this mm-hmm. week. I'm going to do my best to catch up, you guys. <laughs> but, uh, but I'll yes. watch something, guys. I'll keep you. <laughs> yes. You can count on him. Yes. But uh, that will uh, do the movie review section of our show for you mm-hmm. guys today. Thank you very much for that. And uh, I believe that was all we had scheduled for the show today, good sir. That is. Yes. Please let us know uh, what you guys thought of the show. Are there any topics you want to see us discuss on the next show? Let us know in the comments below. And if you see Missing, let us know what you think of it. Yes. And say I'm wrong for not liking that style. I don't know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Again, thank you guys so much for watching, and we will see you next week.
If you like what you heard today and want more, don't forget to subscribe to the official Movie Nights YouTube channel for weekly shows and movie reviews. You can also check us out on our social channels where we'll post updates, short video clips, and more. Those links can be found in the video description below.